Well, good morning. I didn't want to interrupt the greeting because that's an important part of the service. I mean, you need to say hello to people that you worship alongside and, um, you know, and make you feel connected here. Well, I actually tried to buy my wife an ugly Christmas sweater, <laughs> but she actually refused. So she won't be wearing one Tuesday night. I mean, I don't, make, I don't want to make her feel bad or, or, you know, feel like she needs to go out and get one. But, I, you know, she just didn't want to do it. She wouldn't cooperate. So I had to. She was mad at me yesterday. I wasn't going to say this, but she was mad at me yesterday. You want to know why? why? I'm not telling you. <laughs> she stood in my way. <laughs> Oh, we can have fun when we come to church. You want to say anything? <laughs> okay, that's your chance. Okay. <laughs> well, we're, uh, we're in Advent season, and during this season, we're exploring the attributes of Christ. We're looking at his birth and the whole Christmas story from the aspect of hope, peace, love, and joy. <clears throat> Growing up um, in church, I don't remember that we had uh, signs that declared that, and I don't recall having the Advent wreath. It could have been there, but I didn't notice it. Um, But I really like it because I think it really gets us to step back for a minute. It's a crazy season. I mean, uh, I don't know how life is going for you, but I mean, Christmas is this long extended holiday. You know, at last it starts in October. You go in the store and everything's decorated. and, And it's a great time of year. I mean, nothing else happens like it does at Christmas time. It's the smells and the thoughts and the music and just everything. It all comes together. You know what I mean? It's an exciting time. But I got to tell you, it can be a stressful time too. All those things that need to get done and you want to be a part of and, and, uh, you know, and, and participate in can bring stress into our life. But during Advent, we're looking at the, uh, the, the meaning of Advent. It's coming or arrival. The season is marked by expectation, waiting, and longing. Advent is not just an extension of Christmas, it's a season that links the past, the present, and the future together. Advent offers us the opportunity to share an ancient longing for the coming Messiah and to celebrate his birth and be alert for his second coming. Advent looks back in celebration at the hope fulfilled in Jesus' coming, while at the same time looking forward in hopeful and eager anticipation of Christ coming again and establishing his kingdom. So each week we're focusing on a different attribute of God represented in the coming of of Jesus. And this is the second week of Advent uh, in the series. Pastor Tony brought a message last week on hope, and he shared out that hope is an anchor. Hope provides strength and stability in times of uncertainty. And, you know, I, I think that as we look around and we see things happening around us, we certainly would feel like we're dealing with a time of uncertainty. And um, I'm glad you're here today. And even if you're watching online, because uh, we're going to rediscover a little bit about peace today. On Christmas Eve in 1914, something amazing happened, something that still is difficult and hard to understand. It was the beginning of World War I, and there was a fierce, fierce battle going on in Belgium between the the French and the English on one side, and Germans on the other side. The battle had reached a stalemate, 
and each side had bunkered down and dug trenches. There were, those trenches were between 60 and 80 yards apart from one another, and the space between them was called no man's land. That's because if you dared venture out there, you certainly were going to be shot and killed. It's estimated that there were over 100,000 troops that were involved in this battle. And these trenches went for miles. The conditions were horrible, and both sides had lost thousands of lives. No man's land was called that because, again, if you tried to, re you couldn't even go out and retrieve your dead, or you'd be shot. As Christmas approached, the Germans started decorating the trees uh, with candles. And on Christmas Eve, both sides were settled down, and there was kind of respect in the respective sides. And some of the British began to play bagpipes and sing some of their favorite pub tunes. I'm sure it no doubt brought them some sense of comfort being so far away from home and in the middle of a war, and it being Christmas Eve. Meanwhile, on the other side, some of the Germans began to sing their country's most beloved Christmas carol, Silent Night. And after singing it through several times, the French and the British joined in to that familiar tune. And unbelievably, that night led to a ceasefire that lasted until New Year's Day. On Christmas Day, each side helped the other bury their dead. And over the next week, they gathered around the same campfires. They played soccer together, and they told stories and laughed long into the night. It was a holy night. Neither side could have seen a week of peace coming out of singing a Christmas carol. And yet, that's exactly what happened. A song about the birth of a baby in Bethlehem would bring peace on earth, brought peace to a war-torn battlefield. And for a handful of days and a few short hours, turned enemies into friends. Looking at the Old Testament, it was a time of great spiritual darkness that was caused by sin. God promises to send a light that would shine on everyone living under the shadow of spiritual death. Amidst this political and social turmoil, there rose a prophet Isaiah. His ministry would last about 50 years, and he called the people to repent, and he saw and foresaw uh, the scattering of the Jews as a result of their sin. Long before Jesus' birth, approximately 700 years, Isaiah the prophet moved to declare of him who was to come. Isaiah 9, 6 reads like this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It was a prophecy and a promise of God wrapped in one. Before we go any further this morning, I'd like to just to try to give peace a definition. What is peace? There's over 790 references in, in Scripture about peace. And I, I, I'll be honest with you this morning, I didn't read them all before this message. <laughs> but by definition, peace is freedom from disturbance, anxiety. It's a sense of tranquility. Spurgeon preached a message on this and called his sermon the jewel of peace. And the reason he said was because Peace is like a gem. As you turn it in different directions, it has different facets and aspects. 
But what does the scripture say about peace? What does Jesus mean when he said, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you? What does the apostle Paul mean when he says, the Lord of peace himself give you peace at, at all times in, in every way? The first thing to say about this is that peace in scripture is not merely the absence of conflict. It's not a place where there's no fighting and no disturbance, no disharmony, no fear, no anxiety. There's a day coming when wars and fighting will cease, but the absence of conflict is not peace. The biblical idea of peace is not merely the idea of a peaceful circumstance. But, only, but not only that, often in scriptures to describe peace, it's a peace that transcends circumstances. Remember how Jesus said to the disciples in John 16, 33, he said, I have said these things to you, that in me you will have peace. In the world we have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. One time there was a king who put an offer out to all the artists, the painters and drawers in the country, and he asked them to present a piece, a painting or drawing that kind of signified what peace was. He wanted to understand their vision of what it looked like. There were many different drawings and paintings that came in. They were presented to the king for his approval. He only liked two of them. One of them was a painting of a very calm and placid lake. It was crystal clear, and you could see the reflection of this vast snow-capped mountain range there in the lake. Blue skies, soft clouds above. All this was in the painting. It was a beautiful painting, and everyone thought, surely this is the painting that the king would choose. He loved the painting, but there was another one that he really liked more. This painting was a painting also of a mountain, but it was a sharp, rugged, craggy mountain. Overhead, there was a strong, threatening gale and storm coming, lightning, dark skies. And the mountain had a very uh, powerful, raging waterfall coming out of it. But if you look closely by that waterfall, there was a little bird that was in his nest. He was resting peacefully even as the storm was threatening around him. That's the picture that the king chose because he said, peace does not mean to be in a place where there's no noise or trouble or difficulty. Peace means to be in the midst of all of those things and still be calm in your heart. This is the real meaning of peace. Jesus said we would have tribulation. He said we would have difficulty. We would have trials and troubles. And yet we still could have peace. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what's happening in your life. But maybe there's some stuff swirling around you. Maybe you're facing some things. But Jesus said the kind of peace that he wants to give to us is a peace that transcends circumstances. Truth is, the peace we seek is not found in the absence of difficulty but in a person. Our peace is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Isaiah called him the Prince of Peace, the one who has overcome. Dr. Tony Evans said, peace does not mean you won't have problems. Peace means your problems won't have you.
Now, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. If you were going to a Jewish community, as they pass each other on the street, they would say shalom. It's a greeting of hello and a greeting of goodbye. I think it's pretty cool, you know. But um, it means more than that. It means God's justice or rule. It means wholeness, completeness, prosperity. And there's four areas real quick that I want to take a look at this morning that Jesus brings peace. Now, Jesus brings peace uh, spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. First thing I want to look at is Jesus bringing peace with God. This is the spiritual peace that Jesus uh, came to bring. Jesus' birth was God taking the first step towards repairing man's broken relationship with God. We know that sin first occurred in the garden. And we have been descendants of that sin. You were born into sin. I was born into sin. It's a sin nature that's inside of us. Peace with God is only possible when man's broken relationship with God is restored. Romans 5 once says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And so naturally, we're not at peace with God. It, it comes to a place where we have to make a decision about that. Our sin separates us from God, and it's only through Jesus Christ and faith in him and the work of the cross that we're brought into a relationship of peace with God, our creator. How did Jesus do this? He did it on the cross. Jesus was born in this world to die on the cross so that my sins and your sins could be forgiven and we would be restored to a right relationship with God. I know this is very basic this morning, but this is the first and most important aspect of peace in this Advent message. Jesus brings peace with God. Second area that Jesus brings peace is Jesus brings peace with self. This is an emotional peace. Sin not only separated us from God, but brings separation within ourselves. We're conflicted at times. We're constantly fighting stress, anxiety, and turmoil. We desperately need inner peace. And Jesus not only came to bring peace with God, but also personal peace within ourselves. Maybe there's some stuff going on inside of you this morning that you're struggling with. Maybe it's something that keeps reoccurring, that you have this, this difficult struggle just with yourself. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you not only receive peace with God, but you also receive the peace of God. We receive the peace of God to help us through the difficult circumstances of life. When you know Christ, everything can be going crazy around you, but you're in a still place with him, and you can be at peace with yourself. Now, there's an invitation that's given to us by Jesus. It's found in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And I, wanna, I want you to listen to this this morning. I really want these words just to kind of wash over you, you know? And this is what Jesus said, come to me, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's an invitation to come. And Jesus doesn't say, come when you have it together. Come when everything's okay. Come when, you know, you're where you're supposed to be. He says, come if you're weary and burdened and heavy laden. Come to me. And he says, I'll give you rest. So the first thing we see is we have to come to him. And then he says, take my yoke upon you. Now, yoke, uh, 
if you know anything about farming back in the day, they used to yoke up animals. They'd put a, two cows together or two horses together to do work. It was a wooden thing that was called a yoke, and, and this is how they, how they accomplished work and got things done. See, when they yoked two animals together, it became easier to do. And Jesus says, yoke up with me, all right? Connect with me, come to me. I'll walk beside you. I'll help you through it. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly. And this is the humility of God. See, sometimes in our life, we let pride take over and we go through something and we say, I can, I can handle this, I can do this. So we don't come to him, we don't give it to him. But he says, humble yourselves. I'm gentle, I'm lowly in heart. And he says, and if you do that, you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden's light. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 instructs us, do not uh, be anxious about anything, but in, by prayer uh, and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is a wonderful peace of God that's only available to us through Jesus Christ. The peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. That's where we battle. That's where we struggle. It's in our mind. It's in our thought life. It's in our inner self. See, what happens is the peace of God has a way of transforming us and transforming the situation. It's an internal peace. It has the power to change our perspective and our priorities and our pursuits. It helps us to see beyond our problems to God's promises, it, uh, beyond our trials to God's triumphs, and beyond our fears to God's faithfulness. It enables us to live with confidence and courage, knowing that God is with us, he's for us, and he's in us. The third area that I see Jesus brings peace is Jesus brings peace with others. That's relational peace. That's external Sin did not stop at separating us from God and separating our separation from ourselves. Sin also caused us to be in conflict with one another. We live in a world that's full of anger, rage, and violence. I don't need to expound on that at all. You can just look around. You know people are living on the edge, man. And uh, they're ready to take up a fight. People are looking for revenge. But God has come to bring peace. We all go through many challenges in life, and one of the most difficult is when our relationships are in turmoil. That's when we need to ask Jesus to become the Prince of Peace, to come and bring us peace in our relationships, to intervene, to reconcile, and to restore. We have a wonderful example of this early on in the Christmas story. Um, It's found in Matthew chapter 1. When Joseph... um, found out that Mary was pregnant, he was going to walk away from the relationship. I often try to put myself in a character's situation. What did he feel like as a man, as a future husband? Was he looking at a woman that maybe had been unfaithful to him and, you know, what was going on? And so I think, it, I think this story does reveal something about Joseph's character because he said he was going to put her away quietly. See, in Bible times, when you were engaged, it was just like, actually, besides the ceremony, you were really married to that person. It was a total commitment that you were making. 
To be able to break that engagement, you'd actually have to go through a divorce to make that happen. So Joseph was, I'm sure, looking at his situation and wondering what he was going to do. But it says that um, after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what's conceived in her is through the Holy Spirit. If Mary was pregnant with any other child, I think Joseph would have most likely broken the engagement. But this wasn't any other child. This was Jesus, and he was conceived in her through the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus, even before he was born, brought peace between Joseph and Mary and kept the marriage from coming apart. Jesus came to break down the barriers, to bridge the gaps, to bring people together, and to restore peace in our damaged relationships. I can be a peacemaker in my home, in my family, in my community, and even in my church, working through conflict to bring peace into a relationship. Charles Spurgeon wisely advised, the peace of God that is that eternal calm which lies too deep in the human soul to be reached by any external disruptions. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, we're called to be peacemakers, all right? Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, you don't know some of the people that I have to deal with. Okay? Let's keep it real, all right? You don't know what, what I'm, I'm going through. You don't know the things that I have to face. I realize that in life that my responsibility in a relationship is what I say, what I do, and the way that I act. That's my responsibility. I can't blame you for making me act bad. I was in an argument with somebody once. Well, they were arguing. I got to tell you, I, wasn't, I didn't feel like I wasn't a place to argue. But they said to me, see what you've done to me? See what you've brought out in me? And I'm thinking... I don't see that at all. You made it. I was. This is what I was thinking. I didn't say this. You made a decision to act the way that you are. I was just, to be honest with you, I was hitting them with, hitting them with some truth, and they didn't want to hear it. So now they're going to blame me for their bad behavior. When I went home and told my wife what happened, she says, "What did you feel like doing when when that happened?" I said, "I wanted to hug them." because he was hurting so bad. But I knew if I did, he would have punched me. <laughs> so I chose not to. We got past that, but I'm only responsible for my reaction to what happens in my life. I can't, I can't blame you for something else, and you can't blame someone else for, you know, we go to a place that we choose to go to. And there's a little nugget of truth found in Romans Chapter 12, verse 18, that may free you up a little bit this morning when dealing with this. It says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peacefully. So we have to do all that we can to be a peacemaker. That doesn't guarantee there's going to be peace, and that doesn't guarantee that that person is going to stop. All right? But we've got to take our place here and say, you know what? I'm going to try to make peace. We must refuse to let others, other behaviors destroy our peace. 
Peace forgets the scars of the past and reaches for restoration and healing. When we look at our world's condition, it's quite disturbing. And again, I don't need to elaborate on this. It's scary out there. I mean, you know, the things that are going on in our world, but you know what? Everything's on track. When the angels came to the shepherds, and I, I'm amazed that that's the group of people that he would first come to to announce the birth of Christ. They were, they were a group of people that weren't respected. They couldn't even testify in a court of law. Their word was not good. They weren't trustworthy. They were like, for lack of a better word, kind of the lowlifes of society. Yet Jesus went to them first. That's the first place he wanted and the first people he wanted to know that the Christ child was coming. And so they said in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. And then we continue on in Isaiah 9, verse 7, it says, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. This is a clear prophecy about Jesus who was born as a child who was called the Prince of Peace, and one day will rule in peace over the earth. The day's coming, folks. The day's coming when Jesus will establish his kingdom of peace. For now, we have to deal with the turmoil. Jesus' peace brings peace with God. It brings peace within ourselves. It brings peace in our relationships, and it will bring peace in our world. It's a promise for the future. I want to end this morning with a few questions. Do you have peace with God this morning? Are you sitting there and you know that between you and God, you're at peace? What a better gift that you could receive this Christmas if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior to invite him into your life. I remember the First Christmas at 19 years old that I celebrated as a believer took a whole different meaning out. I began to understand what Christmas was really all about. And I want to offer that to you this morning. Maybe you've come here. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you haven't made that step. Maybe something's been holding you back. You've been kind of pondering, should I, shouldn't I? Come to Jesus today. Make sure you're at peace with God. Do you have peace with yourself this morning? When you look inside, do you see peace? When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Do you see peace? If not, God wants to bring that peace inside of us, bring peace and wholeness in our lives. Do you have peace with others this morning? Are there people in your lives that you're struggling with, that you have difficulty with? God calls us to be a peacemaker. Are we at peace with others? What a Great season to try to make things right, if possible. Now, our future is grand. I got to tell you this, you know. I mean, Jesus is coming. He's going to establish his kingdom of peace. God had a plan. He had a plan in the life of Jesus that he'd be born. If you tried to take all the prophecies about Jesus and try to work all those out in somebody's life, totally, totally impossible. There are so many cross-references and, and things in Scripture that you just, anybody that would study that would come away knowing that Jesus is the, is the Savior. 
So God had a plan in Jesus' life. God has a plan in your life, in my life today. But here's the thing with the plan. We want to know the plan. Now, if I'm going to be honest with you this morning, if I took life and divided it in thirds, I'm in the last third of my life. I realize that. Now, I'm not, that's not morbid. That's not, I'm not worried about that. It doesn't upset me. I want to be like Caleb. <laughs> I want to be as strong as I was as a young man. I want to go out in good character. But you know what? I don't know the plan. And you know, if, if you're wondering about what's my plan, I look at, we have uh, high school students here. We have young adults. We have seniors. We have people in between. Some of you are trying to figure out what's the plan. What's the plan? I'm going to tell you something this morning. God's not going to tell you what the plan is. And I'm going to tell you why. Because if he told you what the plan is, you wouldn't like it. There's maybe some situations and circumstances that you're going to have to go through and face. That if you knew what the plan is, you try to fix it. You try to go around it. You try to avoid it. God's not going to give you the plan. But I tell you what he's going to give you. He's going to give you his hand. He's going to give you his hand. Isaiah 41, 13 says, For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who says to you, fear not, for I am the one who helps you. We can have the plan or we can have the hand. And I want to tell you this morning, you'd be much better having the hand than the plan. And God will take you and guide you and direct you. When I look back on my life, I could have never figured it all out. And I still can't. And I'm not going to try because I just know that it's totally impossible. I think planning is good. I think it's important. I think we need to, you know, seek out wise counsel when we make plans. I think we need to pray about what we're supposed to do. But you ever been in that place where you had like two choices? And they both look good. God, what am I supposed to do? Do this, do that. And you're like all in turmoil about it. You know, you could make a choice in that situation and you could get there and you could get there without the hand. Just take the hand and let him work out the plan. And so I want to challenge you with this this morning. If you don't know Christ, come to know him today. We're up here. We'll pray for you. We'll, we'll, we'll explain it to you. We'll We'll lead you through it. It's an exciting life. It's the only way to live, to know the peace of God. If you're not at peace with yourself this morning, God wants to give you peace in your inner self. And how about your peace with others? Let God work those situations out. You know, sometimes, sometimes we may even know what needs to happen in a given situation. We may have great ideas and great thoughts. But we've got to commit those into, into God's hands. Now, if you're a person sitting here this morning, you have a lot of people that you're at, not at peace with. I guess you need to go home and look in the mirror and say, what am I doing here? But you know what? In all sincerity, God wants to bring, bring peace into our lives. And so as we come into this holiday season and we... You know, it's like, you know, you start out like a slow run and then you're like making a dash for Christmas Day and then boom, it's all over and you're exhausted, you know. 
I mean, you did the baking, you did the shopping, you did the gift wrapping, you did the food, you did everything, and, you know. Take time to find some peace in God. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you this morning that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus Christ. I thank you that he came and was born but he was born to take our place on that cross. And God, I thank you this morning that we can have peace with you through Jesus Christ. God, I thank you that you want to bring peace in our inner self, those things that we battle with and in in, in conflict in our lives, that we can give those to you, Lord. And Lord, I thank you that you call us to be a peacemaker, to make peace with others. And Lord, I rejoice and what the future holds, knowing that the Prince of Peace is here. So Lord, during this busy season and during this time, and I just pray that we'd find the peace that you offer to us. God, let us take hold of your hand and let us allow you to guide and direct us through every aspect of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.